God is so good. I want to ask you this morning, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? We can be remembered for all kinds of different things. You can be remembered as a person who's got a good sense of humour. You can be remembered as a person who uh, loves cars. You can be remembered as a person who is kind, is compassionate. You can be remembered as a person who always wears green or always wears purple. Or you can be remembered as the person who uh, loves cats. How do you want to be remembered? You know, I've, I've always enjoyed marrying people. That can sound really strange if you don't know that I have a license to marry people. I tell people I married my brother and they, that is not God's way. Um, yeah, preach it, Andrew. I didn't plan to go there. Um, but to be honest, over the last 12, 18 months or so, I've actually learned to enjoy funerals. It is such a special time. It is a time where family opens their lives to one another and they share about what, um, what has happened in someone's life and they honour someone's life. And it's a sad time, it's a hard time, but there's something so special about that time together. And it was an honour and privilege to be a part of Diane's funeral on Friday and um, I just want to say thank you on behalf of the family there, Gerald and uh, others as well have asked me to say thank you to all those that helped out, those who prayed for us, those who were here setting up and helping out beforehand and afterwards and during. And I just want to pass on as a few people came up to me and said, you know, I, I normally hate funerals. <laughs> I, I hate it. I, I leave. And I, feel, I feel sad. I feel depressed. But I don't feel like that today. I, I feel like we've had a, a celebration. I feel like I feel, I feel excited. And I believe that's the love of God in, in you and us, the love of God that was talked about on Friday that we were able to celebrate the hope we have in Jesus. There is no other hope than in the name of Jesus. Funerals often make me think, how do I want to be remembered? On my dying day, what will people say about me? And I wonder, how do you want to be remembered? We've been looking at the book of Acts over the last six weeks and talking about being empowered for mission. And I want to thank Mike for being empowered for mission last week when I was at home uh, sleeping. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, I put on a, a message on the video and I, I, I went to... Well, I didn't go to church. I can't say that. I actually thought that as I was watching. I'm like, this is good. I'm being encouraged, but this isn't church. Sitting at home watching a video is not church. It's a great encouragement if you can't get to church to watch a video, to do something, to be uplifted, to read the Word. Uh, but thanks to Mike for stepping up, for those who are praying for me and for Rochelle. And, uh, but over the last six weeks, we've talked about how in the beginning of the book of Acts, it talks about how the disciples were saying, Lord, are you going to set up your kingdom? And Jesus says, no, forget about that. I'm going to make you my, my, my witnesses. I'm going to empower you to go and live the mission. And we talked about how Jesus promised to empower them with the Holy Spirit. We talked about the day of Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit came, who he is, what he does, what he is like, and what he does in our lives. We talked about 
speaking in tongues, we talked about prophecy, we talked about uh, what the Holy Spirit does in our lives and someone shared with us about the, the miracles, signs and wonders that God did and is still doing today to bring glory and praise and honour to his name. Two weeks ago we talked about the unity that came through the empowerment of the Spirit, that they were united as one people living for God and to serve him and one another. And today I want us to look at the courage for the mission, that the Spirit was sent and they were empowered, that they had courage for the mission as the Holy Spirit came upon them. As they listened to the Holy Spirit, as they trusted Him, as they stepped out, they were empowered with courage to speak up. These ones that were, that were running away and hiding, that were denying Christ, now were stepping up and saying, I will die for this message. Some people say they made it up, but why would a person die for a message that they'd made up? These people were cowering in fear, and they're filled with the Spirit, and, and suddenly they stand up and they boldly preach the name of Jesus even while they're stoned and say, Lord, forgive them for what they're doing. Courage. What is courage? My thesaurus says bravery, nerve, pluck. I like that word. He's got a lot of pluck. I just think of pluck a duck. I don't know. But <laughs> big, anyway. Valor, daring, audacity, metal. It can't be moved. It can't be shifted. It can't be diverted off course. Resolution. It's courage. I want to be a person of bravery, of, of nerve, of, of valor. Who wants to be a person of courage? Who wants to be remembered as a person of courage? I wonder if you feel like a courageous person, a person of valour and pluck. <laughs> you know, over the years I've told you about a few of my um, less um, proud moments or maybe my, my, my lower moments in life of my near-death experiences of nearly drowning when I was training to be a lifesaver, of... Um, being nearly, nearly eaten by a shark, about uh, nearly dying in a bike crash. I've, I've shared some of those things, but today I want to share a few of my, 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 my better moments. And can I boast just for a moment, about, uh, just a little bit, about, about three things in my life. Um, it was not long after I'd broken my back, I was, I, was, I was able to sit at the table and I'm sitting there, still in a lot of pain. And I can't remember for sure if it was Nathaniel or Joseph that was sitting in the high chair opposite me. I, my, anyway, and uh, I'm just sitting there, and uh, yes, I will confess now, I think we may not have had the, uh, the, the buckles done up in the high chair, it's leading you where I'm going, and I'm sitting there, and suddenly, whichever child it was, decides to reach for something that was far beyond their reach, and they've reached out of the high chair, and suddenly, you know what's happening, like the legs go where the arm goes. And, and he begins to fall straight down towards the concrete, the tiles, the hard floor, head first. And something within me just goes, just, just caused me to leap forward and, and, and reach across the table, land across the table. And, and as my hands stretched out in front of me, I've grabbed his ankle and he's just hanging there. And the, the, the sound has caused Rochelle to sort of turn around and see what's happening. And she freaks out. She thinks something's happened to Andrew. So it's like he's had some nerve twinge of like lunch, fought and died on the table. And then she sees me holding Nathaniel's ankle and goes, what the heck are you doing? 
But something happens when you see your, your two or three-year-old son about to fall on their head. You just, you just don't think. You just lunge forward and you grab them as best you can. And he was okay. I was okay, fortunately. Thank you, Jesus. Another time, I was, uh, I was, after I nearly failed, I, I then qualified to become a lifesaver. That's a little bit scary. Um, and I, I was selected to go to a, with a team to Perth for an event over there. And we're over in Perth. We had some time off. We went down to Cottesloe Beach. Anyone been to Cottesloe Beach? You've got the big fancy lifesaving club there and the, the rock wall. And over here, there's sort of, it's a rocky beach. And at low tide, it's, it's not real good to swim in. It's, it's too rocky. It's not real safe. And we're just sitting on the beach relaxing. And suddenly, as a couple of us sort of notice, as these two kids are probably youth-aged people, and uh, they're out in the rocky patch, and they're sort of half waving, but half sort of going underwater. And we sort of think, that doesn't look too good. And then we think, actually, yeah, I think they're in trouble. So we, we run, and we, we go straight out through the rocks, and we drag them in. And um, you just don't think when you... Well, you, you think a little bit, but... Um, there was some danger, but there was, there was people about to lose their lives. And you think, I'm just going. And courage rises when you see the need. When I was working at the pool as a lifeguard, um, I stood there by, beside that pool for many, 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 many hours here in Colac, just waiting for something to happen. <laughs> for something to happen. Something to happen. <laughs> And then finally, one day, I'm standing beside the pool and this little girl runs past. She's probably two or three and her mum's way around the other side of the pool and she's just running. I'm like, slow down. Yeah, good luck trying to tell a two-year-old. And she runs and she, she sort of cuts the corner. She thinks she's Jesus for a moment. She tries to run across the water and she sinks. And I just sort of take two steps forward, reach down, pick her up, drag her out, put her down. And I've never seen a mum so thankful as that mum. And every time I saw her, the rest of her swimming training career as a two-year-old, and she was so thankful. But, I mean, I had to get a little bit wet. It was, like, I was pretty courageous right there. I reached out in that water, I got my arm wet. I didn't, I didn't have to get my feet wet, fortunately. But I just pulled her out. I think with each one of those things, there was something that compelled me to move. In each case, there was a motivating factor that in spite of the fear, or very little fear of getting wet, I was inspired to move. And some people would define courage as not the absence of fear, but stepping out despite fear. And I think it's when we have a greater sense of, of calling, a greater sense of purpose than our fear. When, when, when the mission is greater than the fear, we step out in courage. When you see a person fighting for their life, when you see a person in danger of death, you move. You're compelled to act. This morning, I want to suggest to you, if we are aware of God's mission for us, we will have courage. If you are aware of God's mission for you, you will have courage. It's not to say if you don't feel courageous right now that you don't know God's mission. Maybe it does mean, though, that we've become less aware of God's mission if we're not feeling courageous today. I just want to pray, and then we're going to open the Word. Lord God, I, I thank you for your Spirit that is here with us today. I thank you, Jesus, that you sent your Spirit not to be with us for a time, not to visit us, but to live in us. And God, I just pray today that you would help us to be more aware of who you are, more aware of your mission, that we would be compelled to act. 
that, Lord, we would be stirred with courage and passion for this mission. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's open up to Acts chapter 16. And uh, if you, while you're getting your Bible out, uh, this is Acts 16 is when Paul and Barnabas have had their disagreement. They've gone their separate ways. Paul's gone with Timothy first and then Silas. And they've tried to go to Asia. Twice it says they tried to go to Asia. But it says the Holy Spirit stopped them. And I think, what does that look like? What does it look like when the Holy Spirit stops you? Does it mean you miss your train? Does it mean you can't get your visa or miss your flight? Does it mean someone stopped them? We don't know exactly what it looked like, but it says the, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit stopped them. You know, the Bible says that we've got, been given a new heart with new and right desires, but at times God prevents those desires from being fulfilled. And there's a, there's a tension in that time. And sometimes through that time, God then allows it to take place. And other times he actually changes our desires and brings about something even greater than our original desire. And sometimes it's met over many, many, many years. I'm sure many of you could talk about a desire that you've had that God is still dealing with either to change your desire or to bring that desire to pass. But it says in verse 9 that Paul had a vision of a man. It says he, he had a vision of a man pleading with him to come to Macedonia. And it says, so we decided. So we decided. And I want to suggest to you today that it's, it's good to seek God's will. It's good to talk about God's will for your life together, to pray together, and then decide together what God is saying. It is an unwise person who, who just has some thought, says this is God, and then just goes and does it without any discernment or, or others to pray with and to pray for them. It says, they concluded that God was calling us to Macedonia. They concluded, they decided. So they go, they've been prevented from going to Asia, and then who do they meet when they go to Macedonia and through to those places? They meet Lydia who just happens to be the one who goes and takes the gospel to Asia. And the whole of Asia opens up to the gospel through this lady, Lydia. I wonder where you're trying to get to right now, and God's preventing you by the Holy Spirit from getting to that place, but he's saying, oh, I just want you to stay where you are. I want you to stay where you are. I want you to reach that Lydia who's going to go into Asia and reach that whole place with the gospel. Let's not despise the place we're in, but be faithful to the call that God has for us. So they go there, they, Lydia gets saved, and they preach and teach the gospel, and a demonic fortune teller gets delivered, and the one who's been making money from this fortune teller starts up a riot against Paul and Silas, and we get to Acts chapter 16, verse 22, and it says this, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Sorry, there it is. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Paul and Silas were courageous people. 
They knew the mission that God had for them. They knew the call that God had called them. They'd they'd prayed about the vision that Paul had. They, They knew what God was calling them to do. They had courage and they knew their mission. They were convinced that the Holy Spirit had called them to that place. And then they get beaten, they get whipped, and they get thrown into prison. I wonder if you've ever doubted your mission. I wonder if you've ever doubted whether you're in the right place, whether you're in the place that God's called you to be in. That doesn't seem like Paul and Silas did in that moment. And then sitting in prison, which we've got to remember, it's not a 21st century UN-approved prison with all the necessities of life. They're in the inner dungeon. It's dark. It says later on the jailer calls for lights. It's dark. It's probably dank and musty. Who knows what's festering away in there? There's other people for sure. It's probably crowded. Their feet are locked in the stocks. They're in chains. They're not in a comfortable place. It says, And they were praying and singing hymns to God. There's some courage right there. They probably thought they're, they're going to be executed. They're probably thinking, just like uh, Stephen, just like others that have been persecuted and, and then killed for the gospel, that they're on death row. And yet they're singing psalms and hymns to God. They're praying. And I think sharing the gospel with those that are listening, because it says they are. Maybe you're in the middle of a crisis right now. Maybe you feel like you're in some kind of prison. You're, you've got your feet in the stocks in a spiritual sense. Maybe it feels like you're in chains. But you have been bought with a price. Who do you belong to? Are you, are you your own or have you been bought with a, by, by the blood of Jesus? Has Jesus redeemed your life? If you have put your faith in Jesus, you're a child of God. You've been redeemed by him. You are his child. And if we live for his glory, it's, it's up to God to work out how to bring glory through your life and your circumstances. If you're doing what God's called you to do and you're in that place of, of being in, feeling like you're in prison, then give glory to God because you're, you're his child, you're his, and he will work it out for his glory. We don't have to strive to do it. He's God, not me. A few people have asked me over, well, over time about how I deal with things that happen that I come in contact with. And I think, well, I'm not God. I'm just his servant. And if God wants to use me in any kind of way in his mission, then I just want to be faithful. It's his, it's his life to use. It's not my burden to carry, it's his burden to carry. Galatians 2.20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer Andrew, it's no longer me, it's him that lives. It's his life to live, it's his life to lead, it's his life to bring glory to God through. When you see a person dying or in danger of death, it stirs you to move. It gives you courage to act. But when you see a person die for you, willingly give their life in your place, it compels us to respond. Imagine you were standing on a, a railway, railway track, which you would never do, I hope, and a train was coming and a person sees you standing on those railway tracks and they run and they push you out of the way of the train and then they get wiped out by that train. You would be forever grateful for that person and to that family who lost that person so that you could live. 
It will compel you. I, I, I suggested that thought to Rochelle and I said, I hope that's not too gruesome. And she said, wow, I would, make bisc- I would bake biscuits for that person for the rest of my life. <laughs> or for their family. Yeah, that person wouldn't need them. I want to say to you this morning that courage comes when we know our mission and we discover our mission when we are aware of God's love for us. Let me say it again, courage comes when we know our mission and we discover our mission when we are aware of God's love. God himself in human form, Jesus Christ, laid down his life. He took our penalty, he took our shame, he took our sin. He was crucified upon a cross so that we could have life eternally. When I realized that, I I gave my life to him. And as I began to understand more and more about God's love, all the way through school, I'd planned to do graphic design. I was going to go to uni. I was going to do graphic design. I had thoughts about trying to use that for Youth Alive and to help promote the gospel in, in this state. But then when I was 18 years old, I went to Papua New Guinea, and I, I was just so amazed at the love of God for every person on this planet. I thought, I want to use every moment of my life to tell people about Jesus. And I had the freedom, I had the privilege of having a, 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 a point in my life at 18 years old to say, which way am I going to go? I was totally free to choose, and I thought, I'm going to Bible college. I don't know what I'm going to do after that, but I'm going to ride my bike and go to Bible college. <laughs> it's kind of like two things I could do at once. And uh, I, I, I couldn't do anything else. That was what I wanted to do with my life. And it looks different for every one of us what that looks like when we come to that revelation. You might be in a, in a workplace and it's not suggested or wise that you just drop everything and leave. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 7. and verse 21 it says, Were you a slave when you were called? Or maybe employed. It's kind of, I've said before there's some similarities, some differences too. But don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who is free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. If, you've, if you're living in Colac and you're working at a factory and you get fa- saved, recognize that God's called you, he's, a, he's, he's appointed you to be his witness in that place. You don't need to leave and go and find the place that God wants you to go to. You need to be faithful to the calling he's given you and the place he's put you in right now. God, God, God doesn't have another person to be you in that place. He's called you to be that person in that place. You're a minister of the gospel in that place. You might spend more time packing boxes. You might spend more time filing papers. You might spend more time doing something else. But you are there as a minister of Christ. That's your number one thing. Above every other responsibility, you're, a, you're a, an agent of God in that place. It says, do not become slaves of human beings. You know, I don't think you can become a slave if you give yourself to them. If you willingly give your life and serve, go beyond what's expected. Serve with the love of God and be an ambassador of Christ. Paul and Silas knew God's love. They knew their mission. They knew 
what God had called them to, and they knew his love. Their lives had been transformed by the gospel. Paul, Saul was a killer of Christians. He, get, he meets Christ and he gets transformed into a new person and they even rename him Paul and he becomes a disciple maker instead of a disciple killer. And there they are locked away in the dungeon with no understandable way of escape. There is no logical way to be free and yet they're praising and worshipping Jesus. It says, and the other prisoners were listening. People watch us when we go through situations as Christians. They watch how we respond. Do we really trust in this Jesus that we talk about? It says, oh, well, it doesn't say, sorry. It's the middle of the night and they're not sleeping. I, I think they couldn't sleep. Their feet are in stocks, they're in chains, it's uncomfortable. And the others are awake too because they're listening. So they decide to fix their thoughts on what is true, what is good, what is excellent, what is worthy of praise. And their focus affects those around them. I'll ask you this morning, what are your thoughts focused on? What are your thoughts focused on day by day? What are your thoughts focused on this morning? What are your thoughts focused on as you go to work, as you drive your car? Do you let that person into the lane or do you honk your horn and get angry? Sorry, that was another series. Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit to be our counsellor, to remind us of the things that Jesus taught, to remind us of his word, to, to teach us, to, to lead us, to help us, to be our guide. And what greater truth can we focus on that the, Jesus has dealt with our sin, that he has removed our sin as far as east is from the west. Anyone who has called on the name of the Lord will be saved. What greater truth can we focus on? We have a Redeemer and He lives. And He's going to raise us along with Him. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If courage comes when we focus on the mission, I believe we become focused on the mission when we're aware of God's love. If we're aware of His love, we're going to be compelled to share it. If we're fully aware of His love, it changes our attitude through the situations we go through. I think there's times when I, I think, God, I, I love you, but... Why does this have to happen? God, I, I love you. Yes, I know you love me, but why are you letting this happen? Why does this have to happen this way? And I think God just gently says, Andrew, do you remember how much I love you? Andrew, will you trust me? Will you trust me even though this is hard, even though this doesn't seem right? Do you remember that I love you? Do you really remember what I've done? Do you remember that it is finished because of my love for you? Do you know I love that person? They're in my hands. You don't have to carry them, Andrew. They're in my hands. Do we truly remember his love? We can, we can think we fully understand God's love, but if we do, we're not fully aware of his grace. We, we can never fully understand the fullness of God's love. It's why reading the Bible is so important. We, 
We need to feed ourselves on God's Word. The Holy Spirit comes to remind us of God's Word, but if there's no Word of God in our minds, what can He remind us of? Sure, He can teach us, He can, he can, he can lead us, He can speak to us, but the Word of God is a, is a weapon in our spiritual battle. We need to open His Word and know what His Word says, that, that the Holy Spirit can bring those things to mind throughout our lives. I've heard so many stories about kids who, who learnt scriptures and songs as kids, that their whole life they never thought of it again, but in some catastrophe, the Holy Spirit just speaks to their mind and reminds of this song, this, this, this Word, this scripture. I would encourage you, if you don't have a daily Bible reading plan or a, a pattern, I would encourage you to get a copy of the CFC Bible reading plan. There's some on the back table for September. And you might have tried before and failed. I want to say, pick it up again. Wherever you're up to today, pick it up and read it today. And if you miss it tomorrow, the next day, pick it up again and try again. And believe that God's going to help you to read His Word. What did God say to Joshua after he became the leader of his people? In Joshua 1, he says, Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Three times he says it. He says, meditate on my word day and night. Meditate on it. If you're aware of what I have done, if you see what I have done for my people, if you see my love for this nation, you will be filled with courage. You will be strong and courageous. And if we meditate on the word of God, if we meditate on his love, we will be compelled, we will be filled with a joy and a strength that nothing can take away. We'll be like Stephen's, we'll be like Paul's, we'll be like Silas's, is just worship God and praise Him no matter what. I want to say, uh, I've put a few things on Facebook and said a few things, and I know some of you have spoken up about some of the things being said about gay marriage right now. God's plan is for a man and a woman to be married, and that is His way. And we've got to speak up about it. I've got to be honest, there's some people I, I admire so much for the way that they just continually re rebuttal the arguments to say that it is, it is not God's way. And I've got to say, I've, some of the conversation I've had online with people and trying to answer people's questions and comments in a, in a loving and gracious way, it, it, it's exhausting. <laughs> but God, give us courage to stand for what is true. About 18 months ago, I think it was, we played a, a, a video from uh, the national chairman of the CRC saying that our, our church's position on this whole area is that God's word is true, it is the authority, and there is nothing that changes that. We want to accept all people, but we will not affirm what they do. Um, God's word is his word, and we're staying to it. In case you don't know what happened to Paul and Silas in the jail... The very, ne the very next verse, and I, didn't, I don't want to focus on this part of the story today, but in the very next verse it says, Suddenly the earth shook, the whole prison shook, the, the doors flew open, the chains fell off, there was an earthquake, it says. And the whole prison's shaken, the, the prisoners are set free, and the jailer is about to kill himself. He's about to end his life because he's, he's thinking they've all gone, they're escaped, they've been set free. But they call out and say, No, stop! And I sort of think, it's interesting. I think Paul and Silas, yep, they're men of integrity. I'm, su I'm not surprised they stayed. But I'm thinking, what about all the other guys? It's like, it doesn't say what they did, but it doesn't say it was like most of them ran off and Paul, Paul and Silas stayed. It says, we're all here. I'm like, wow. Maybe they'd already got saved through the singing and the praying and whatever was going on in the prison that night. I don't know. 
It says we're all here and they preached the gospel to him and instead of him ending his life, he, he, he gets saved that night. And the whole family of him gets saved and they're, they're, they're set free the following morning. And then we read in verse 40, it says when Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. They met with the believers and encouraged them once more. It's the same thing Peter did after his miraculous escape from prison. He goes back and he meets with the believers and they encourage one another. They worship God. They remind each other of what God has done. That's the New Testament pattern for the church of the living God. That is God's plan for his church, that believers who know Christ, who believe that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, meet together, they listen to the apostles' teaching, they meet in homes throughout the week and they encourage one another about who God is and what God has done. We all miss out when we don't meet together. I hate missing church. Like I said last week, I, I, I just wanted to do church even though I was sick and couldn't go and spread it with all of you. I, I love to be in church. We're going to be in Newcastle next Sunday. And I'm not sure if we're going to make it to church or not, but I, I, I want to be in church if we can. Because I, I love to meet other believers. I love to hear what God has done through them. It encourages me. I want to be an encouragement to them too. I think of all the churches we've been to and I've been in other places and the, the friends I've made, the people I've met, the stories I've heard about how God is faithful, God is moving in cities around the world. And we miss out when we don't have fellowship with one another. And I was thinking about it uh, after last Sunday and thinking, you know, it feels like an eternity from Sunday to Sunday when I miss one. But you know what, more than that, when I, when I don't meet with someone through the week and read God's Word and pray together with someone through the week, it feels like an eternity from Sunday to Sunday. We aren't meant to go weeks at a time without talking to people about the love of God. God's pattern is that we meet in homes, that we come together in fellowship, we listen to the apostles' teaching, we listen to the Word, we, we pray together. But then we meet together day by day, we, we share meals, we encourage each other with what God is doing. God has sent His Spirit to empower us for mission. Not just to enjoy life, but to be missionaries on this earth with the message of the gospel. We don't have to try and work up the courage to be brave and strong. But as we focus on Him and what He has done for us, we will be filled with courage will be compelled to act. God desires that we would just come to him day by day, that we would pray, that we would stop and read his word, be reminded of who he is. We'd pray in the spirit, we'd pray in understanding, we'd pray in tongues, we'd, we'd encourage one another. And as we focus on him, that we would be filled with courage for the mission he has called you for in whatever place you are in today. In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song. I'll ask the band if they come now. But you know, after this, we finish this song, we say, have a great week. Church isn't finished. Ha! Gotcha! You thought you were going to go home and church was over. You're thinking, what's he going to do? I, th I think we shouldn't say, see you later, have a great week. We should say, okay, over to you. Because church never finishes. You are the church if you know Jesus as your saviour. And when we finish our service, our time together here on a Sunday morning and we stop doing things up here, we're saying, over to you. Go talk to someone. Go tell someone what God's doing in your life. 
Go pray for someone. Go find out what struggle someone has and pray for that person. You're called to be the church. We're called to be the church throughout the week. Church doesn't finish on a Sunday at 12 o'clock or thereabouts. Um, But how can you go and encourage someone today? How can you share a testimony of something God's done in your life this week? How can you share about God's faithfulness and encourage someone else with His provision this week? Maybe you'll go and put something in the CFC pantry tub. (laughs) That was a shameless plug. Can we stand? And we're going to sing. Maybe at the moment you feel like you're in prison, but I want to say throw off the shackles and lift your voice and praise God for who He is this morning. Maybe you feel like you're just cruising through life, you're not feeling very courageous. And I want to say focus on who He is. Focus on what Jesus has done for us and ask God to fill you with His Spirit and inspire you to move and to act, to speak up. God who created heaven and earth, He is our Saviour and King. He is all-powerful. His name is all-powerful and nothing can stand against Him. Let's believe for some spiritual doors to fly open today. Let's believe for some spiritual chains to break that we could stand and be the people that God has called us to be for His glory. Amen. God, I pray for your people this morning, Lord, that we would rise up and be the church that you desire. Lord, we do not hold on to any hope other than Christ, your death, your resurrection. And we praise you, we thank you, and we declare that you are the risen King, our true and living God. In Jesus' name, amen.